is Ronaldo! Oh my goodness! You don't save those! Out of this world! Messi! 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 3 nothing. Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crown champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another episode of FUVFC, another week, another episode. You've been consistent with these over the last five, six weeks or so. I'm Nick Guzman here alongside James Burley and Gino Alva. Just because it's the summertime, guys, doesn't mean there's a lack of footy or footy news going on. So, Gino, I'll start with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I just this breaking news kind of caught me off guard, so I can't wait to talk about all North America soccer right now. It is a brilliant time for soccer in this country, in this continent. I mean, the Women's World Cup just around the corner, uh, the Gold Cup just around the corner, the Club World Cup is coming to the to the to our shores of Copa America next year, and the World Cup in 2026. It's big time. And not to mention the greatest league in the world, MLS, is back after the international break. So uh, we got we got it all right now. The news just broke today. The first ever 32-team Club World Cup will be coming to the United States in 2025. Before we get into that, this past Sunday, the CONCACAF Nations League final between the United States and Canada took place. Myself and Gino and Andrew Rodriguez discussed the U.S.'s semifinal trouncing over Mexico last Thursday and what a great performance that was and also the news that broke during that game that Greg Berhalter would be returning as manager of this United States men's national team. But there was still a trophy to win on Sunday and Canada in World Cup qualifying, you know, had our numbers a little bit. They beat us in Canada and then we drew in Nashville and they came first in World Cup qualifying. They had some bragging rights for that. But the United States really showed who the dominant power is in CONCACAF right now, winning 2-0, getting a first career international goal from Chris Richards, and then a first career international goal also from Fullerene Balogun in just his second game as a U.S. player. Guys, that was a game that really just built on the Mexico game where, you know, no Weston McKenney, no Serginio Dest. Didn't seem to matter. The U.S. played a really attacking midfield lineup with Yunus Musa sort of as that holding presence with Gio Reyna and Brendan Aronson in front of him. A very attacking lineup. Joe Scali came in for Serginho Dest, played well. No matter what the changes were, this U.S. team just kept on rolling on Sunday. Yeah, and they looked as good as I can ever remember them being. You know, and to me, that's what that's what it's all about. The Nations League... Yeah, it's great. It's a trophy. Um, it's a chance to win a final for a lot of guys. And it's a chance to prove yourself as dominant in the region. And that's that's what's more important to me is that when we're playing teams that we on paper should be better than and we have the performances to back it up. The coaching nonsense aside, whatever it is, whatever you want to talk about it for, 
those were two 10 out of 10 performances back to back against your two biggest for rivals and two biggest foes in the region. Maybe Costa Rica is a bigger rival than Canada because of the history there, but what have you. It was perfect. Watching Mexico crumble, crumble at our feet. I've never seen anything like that. Perfect. And then Canada, it was men against boys. Uh, I know Canada had some some chances in the second half. And, and look, they're, they're a quality team with a lot of good players that are improving at that ranks. And Canada will be a major player in CONCACAF for a really long time now, especially with the World Cup being in all three countries in the North American region. They didn't have a match for the U.S., and that's what it should be. That's the standard the U.S. should uphold. And I'm just so, so glad that over 180 minutes, five goals, none conceded, and it was never in doubt in either match, not for a single minute. Definitely happy with the performance. You know, uh, regardless of Weston and Death not playing any game, I thought the team played really well in those 90 minutes. Um, they were confident. They were hungry. The goals were great. There was a few hiccups towards the second half that they could have gone, maybe a 3 or 4 0. But I thought everything went well for the national team. Uh, it was a good game from Gio Reyna, especially, I think, I personally, for me, I think of all the performances he's had in Team USA, I think that was probably his best performance in Team USA, especially the second goal, how I saw how he passed the ball uh, for Brown uh, to score the goal. Um, but for Canada, I thought they were all over the place. They really weren't lucky at all. Uh, I'm definitely shocked too because they finished first last on uh, the qualifiers last time. So uh, definitely couldn't see an improvement from them. Uh, Alfonso Davies, I thought was really well, but he could have done a little bit more to control the ball and you know get a good pass in for them to score the goal. But yeah, it was definitely a uh, great performance from Team USA. Uh, now we're going into the Gold Cup now to. Hopefully they can get to the final because, you know, the rival Mexico is the only time they can meet them is in the finals. So they're going to have a tough and calm journey to get to the final. But I think the performance on Sunday was really, really good. And I'm really impressed of what they've done so far without their two key players. Yeah, Giorena was was awesome just in, in every way. That's kind of everything that we dreamed Giorena would be and can be. That was on display on Sunday. But there's some other players that I think deserve some flowers, players who have given – who've been given a really, you know, hard time maybe online by some fans of this national team. We all we all love the fans of this national team. Walker Zimmerman I thought was fantastic. And and Walker Zimmerman because he made a clumsy challenge against Wales and and committed that penalty has been getting slandered for so long despite being such a steady presence, you know, in that center back position. And and then after the after the game, you see people bring putting out their their depth charts, and they have Zimmerman at like seven or eight um, in the center back pool. Which yes, we've got we've got talented center backs right now, which is not something we could always say. Chris Richards was also superb. Miles Robinson was really good in the Mexico game. Depth is a good thing, but I thought Walker Zimmerman stepped up when Miles Robinson got injured in that Mexico game, and he he came in and started against Canada and was really really good. And I was also impressed Joe Scally, a guy who. I think when he's played for the national team previously, he's still so, so young. He's looked a little bit out of place. I thought this was a performance where he really held his own and and showed that he belongs on the international level. It just felt like we're kind of, you know, really moving into the future now where where it's it's these young guys and the squad was was, you know, this is the first squad that I can remember in so long that no one had any problems with really online. And 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 the play was just so excellent. And now we kind of shift towards the CONCACAF Gold Cup, 
where it's a different sort of vibe. It's it's a different squad. You know, a lot of these European-based players, whether it's Christian Pulisic, Weston McKennie, Yudas Musa, Tim Weah, those guys need their rest. So some other guys will get the chance. Uh, it's a it's a squad with a little bit of 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 similarity from the Nations League. Matt Turner's and Dejas are both on that roster from the Nations League, continuing into the Gold Cup. But the U.S. opens their Gold Cup quest tomorrow night, Saturday, against Jamaica. It's a Jamaica team that has recruited a lot of dual nationals, guys who would be eligible for England, but also eligible for Jamaica. And this Jamaica team is probably one of the strongest teams in this Gold Cup, at least on paper. You've been saying that about Jamaica for some years now, and it hasn't really always you know, turned into results on the field. But I think for this Gold Cup, I personally am looking at looking at it as just a, a, a another way to evaluate depth you know, for this United States men's national team, of course, there's some players, you know, James, John Tolkien, a guy that we're really excited to see put on the national team jersey. But it's a sort of a different vibe going to the Gold Cup. I'll start with you, James. But just what are you sort of looking for and your expectations heading into the tournament? Well, before I give you that, I would like to give some flowers to Eunice Musa as well yes. for his play in the Nations League. I mean, he was terrific at the World Cup and then had a struggle of a season with Valencia. The racial abuse in that city has been rampant and he's basically being forced out. So for him to have had all that going on and then come in into the Nations League and dominate in a position he's not necessarily entirely familiar with. And when our, I think our most important player in that midfield, Tyler Adams, was out, he stepped up and was terrific. When Tyler Adams comes back, uh, we're going to have an awkward conversation with, I think, Weston McKinney. But we'll get there when we cross that bridge. As for the U.S.'s quest in the Gold Cup, I love that Matt Turner is back because it senses that he wants to be here. And, you know, he's a backup keeper at Arsenal. He doesn't really need to report that early for preseason there. So he's committed to having this national team. His, his coming out party was the 2021 Gold Cup. So that's what the, this this tournament presents for players on the U.S. Guys like DeAndre Edlin and Aaron Long, we, we know what they can do. And do they? it's not that they don't need to be here because they're going to provide valuable experience and a good veteran presence. Sean Johnson is in that category as well. Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris are all those guys. It's not all about finding new players. We want to remain competitive. And the fact is, even though teams like Jamaica are bringing a stronger squad than I think they, they even ever have in the past, and then Mexico are bringing a strong squad, the expectation for the U.S. should still be to win this tournament. They're good enough. We are the top dogs in the region now. Everyone's going to be gunning for our heads. We have to remain that competitive. And I think we will. I think we're not going to see necessarily um, as good soccer as we did in the Nations League because the profile of players are just not the same caliber. But the fact that we're bringing Alan Sonora and Gianluca Busio and Aiden Morris and Georgie Mihailovic, these are all guys to be excited about. J.M.I. Tolkien, Jalen Neal, uh, and Brian Reynolds getting back into the fold. Matt Miazga being reintroduced. Gaga Slonina, I hope he gets a game. And, and guys like Cade Cowell, who have been, you know, on the cusp of making that jump, you know, all these guys, this, this presents that opportunity for them. I think that the toughest game they'll have until perhaps a semifinal will be that Jamaica game. And look, if they can figure it out with, with Jamaica, then I think that they have a lot to be confident about in, for, in terms of the tournament, as for the reggae boys, they're bringing an incredibly strong squad. Deshaun Bernard, Dexter Limbikisa, Javine Brown along the back, Adrian Mariapa, the old guard there, Andre Blake in goal. The midfield is really where it starts to take a turn. Daniel Johnson is going to have to pull the strings. Um, young young guns 
playing in England like John Russell, Delano Splat are going to have to uh, emerge. And then I think up front, Shamar Nicholson, our voice, Scory Burke and Kakeem Paris are all good enough to score goals at this level. And it's going to be a tough test to open up for the U.S. But if they can take care of Jamaica, I love their chances to go all the way. Yeah, I definitely agree with James was saying, um, is saying about, you know, Team USA and how they're going to treat it as an important competi competition. You know, Gold Cup, it's two years before, it's a year before the Copa America, which is a, obviously a bigger and more known competition. But, you know, they have, you know, they're not going to qualify for the World Cup because they're already qualified. So all these matches are, are, you know, kind of practice matches to get to that point. But it's the Gold Cup. They have to defend the title. Mexico and other countries are on the rise. Well, not talking Mexico, but other countries on the rise, Canada, Cuba, and uh, Puerto Rico. But it's going to be a very fun Gold Cup. I think the last Gold Cup was great, but this one, definitely the rise of these countries are going to, are going to make, make this competition really well. I mean, I really don't have much to say about this gold cup, but just, I can't wait to get, to get started with this gold cup. Uh, definitely when we get to the knockout, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Jamaica is a really good squad. I remember a couple of years ago, they played USA in the final. They were very, very good on the attack, but just on the counterattack. but uh, it's definitely going to be a very interesting uh, gold cup. And, you know, for this team, USA, obviously with different, different players, you know, coming in, uh, performing under, I think this is going to be the first uh, competition with uh, Greg Berhalter back. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, that's not true, Nick. PJ Callahan still for the Gold Cup. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, excuse me, my part, my mistake on that. But definitely a great challenge for for for, uh, for the interim manager to take over this squad and hopefully he can do well in this Gold Cup. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting for sure. Yeah, BJ Callahan has the chance to win the Nations League, win the Gold Cup, and then say peace out, and and then go. So if, yeah, it would have. I mean, he's earned himself probably a job opportunity elsewhere if he can win this tournament too. The very least, you know, for he's made a case to be back on Greg's staff again, maybe as that as that number one assistant where Anthony Hudson was previously. But I think for this for this Gold Cup right now, like you were saying, James, there's certain known quantities in this in this US team you know whether that's Jordan Morris or Roldan or Jesus Ferreira guys that you know what you know what you're going to get at this point and 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 it's really to be honest it's not much it's especially the case of Christian Roldan's a guy who great locker room guy great glue guy by all accounts but i think well, you know in terms of the Aaron Long too that in terms of the inter international play i think maybe it's just a step above above him but the young guys who have Kate Cowell I'm so so looking forward to seeing and John Token from the Red Bulls at left back there's so many guys even even people like um like Georgi Mihailovic since making his move to 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 Alkmaar in, in the Netherlands seeing how he'll get on but I think winning has to be the the goal and I think you know because especially considering you know the U.S. sent a weaker squad in 2021 as well. That was sort of a, a, a similar situation with the A team went to the Nations League and then it was a more of a B squad for the Gold Cup. And we won both. And and that should 100% be the expectation considering now we are the power in CONCACAF. But particularly Jamaica, you know, you look up and down that lineup, it's a lot of good, you know, players who have who apply their trade in England and who have been very successful, whether it's Mikhail Antonio, Damari Gray, Who's, who's going to pick up his first cap in this gold cup probably tomorrow and crazy that and fi like finally they bring in the high profile ones I, and 
it's kind of been a slow process. You know, you think 2019, it was, it was Leon Bailey. It was really the first one to, to, to stay with Jamaica and, and, and try to make an impact and slowly, but surely these other guys have, have followed suit. Um, you know, Antonio scored that absolute banger in the, in qualifying against Zach Steffen. And we've seen what you can do at West Ham. The quality for them is there, but I think for this for this Gold Cup, it's it's always just an interesting tournament in terms of, you know, what what can you gain out of it really when you're when you're taking a squad that that isn't doesn't really include your best players and and it's a and it's being you know manned by an interim head coach who probably who's not going to be in charge the week the you know the day after the tournament ends, but I think there are still very much things that you can take away from this tournament because every national team needs depth. You know, you think about what people say about, okay, so we've got Tyler Adams, Weston McKenna, Yunus Musa, Brandon Aronson, Gio Reyna. So when they're all healthy, who's going to, who's going to play, who's going to sit? Well, guess, guess what? They're not ever all going to be healthy. There's going to be injuries, things like that. At sometimes there's going to be injuries to two or three of them and we're going to have to, you know, deal with it. So having, depth in your squad is so important and depth in your in your national team you think about the best countries in the world you go down five six positions deep and and these guys are and and it's international quality players who can win tournaments and i think that's the next step for this united states men's national team so for this gold cup just to sort of wrap it up i'll send it back to you james but is winning sort of the only way that this is a successful tournament or if we or if there are guys that you know show that they belong with this national team and maybe we lose in the final. Would you still consider that a success if, if sort of there's individuals who stand out for the big picture? Well, I think to define success, it could look a number of different ways. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to performance for a lot of it. But also, if you look at the, the 2021 Gold Cup, we brought our quote unquote C team and we won every game by one nil except for. Um, when we beat Martinique by, I think it was 6-1. Or, yeah, it was Martinique, I believe. And, look, was it pretty? No. But did they get goals when they needed to? And did they fight for every inch? And was it inspiring? And did it cement that maybe these guys will play for Greg Bearhalter and these guys are tight-knit group? Yeah, it said all those things. And, look, were we dominant against Mexico in that final? No. Were we confidently the better team no it was a pretty even game back and forth so i think as long as we don't lose sight of who this group is and what the expectation should be even if they fall short of it it can still be considered a success i think for a lot of people it's win or go home you know and ideally they top the, their group they they go through unscathed to the final and if it's mexico and that strong mexican squad that they brought that has more or less their entire team I'd say it would be a success. I mean, I think this Jamaica game is tough. Like a Jamaican starting 11 could have Andre Blake uh, across the back, Ethan Pinnock, Deshaun Bernard, Amari Bell, and I hope it's Kamar Lawrence and my guy. In the middle, Bobby Reed, Daniel Johnson, John Russell, and then up front, Damari Gray, Mikel Antonio, and Leon Bailey. Like that's that's scary. That's a team that could compete in Europe in that front three alone. So I, I have my worries, and I I think I'm glad that it's going to be a good test. So that that is more or less where I'm at right now. Um, Jamaica, they don't always get it together though. So if there's a time, it's now. Win win the gold cup. Get I, I if it's not the U.S., I hope it's Jamaica. And I'll say one more thing about them. Heimar Halgrimson, 
was the manager for Iceland at the 2016 Euros. Remember that? He's the manager of Jamaica now. So he knows what to do with a small fish in a big pond. Um, and I think they're going to give the U.S. a run for their money. I have my doubts if they can pull it together for match one, though. So I, I love the I love the U.S.'s chances. Yeah, and another, you know, another competition and more competitive games never never a bad thing. No matter you know who's in charge or who's or who's in the squad and who's going to play. But I think in terms of North American soccer right now, so many good things are happening. Whether it's Messi coming into Miami, we've got the Gold Cup. We just we just won the Nations League. Copa America in 2024, World Cup in 2026. But today, just announced in 2025, a new 32-team Club World Cup is coming to the United States. And this is really big news because that means the best teams, the best European teams in the world, the best teams around the world, are going to be playing competitive games in this country. 32 teams, the tournament used to be seven. So that is a, a huge, a huge, huge jump from FIFA in terms of trying to make this competition a bigger deal. But, you know, there's news about teams that have already qualified, Real Madrid, Man City, and Chelsea, I think being the last uh, three European champions, have qualified for this tournament. So those are some of the some of the clubs with the biggest followings, you know, in the whole world, are now going to be playing competitive games in the United States. So that is sandwiched in between Copa America and in between the World Cup. I think the Club World Cup now is seen a little bit as – an inconvenience for for maybe a Real Madrid or a Man City who who win the Champions League and already are competing on you know three or four different fronts that you know whether it's the Champions League or the League Cup or the FA Cup or the Premier League that the Club World Cup is just another competition for them. But I mean, making it thirty two teams is is sort of taking it to a whole nother level and a whole nother type of competition instead of just being a a little seven team thing. This is now a, a World Cup sized competition with the best clubs in the world so for fifa obviously they see the profit because it's fifa but i think from a from an american perspective from a north american perspective it's really exciting james or gino i'll start with you actually gino that the best european clubs in the world are going to be playing competitive games in the united states i'm just looking here it's 12 slots of uefa teams so we got chelsea madrid real madrid and man, and man city already qualified and there's a, a lot of slots left for this uefa's uh, confederation. Then we just look at the OFC, just one slot, six spots for the Coleman Bowl, four spots for CONCACAF, Monterey, Seattle, Sounders, uh, CONCACAF Champions League winner already qualified, Lyon, and then we just needed one more winner for the 2024 CONCACAF Champions Cup. But, you know, before when it was the Club World Cup, it was exciting. It was just only one team from each uh, confederation. And when I think of World Cup, I think of the beauty of the group stage and having, you know, four teams in one group fighting to get to the top two. And we didn't see that. And, you know, um, like we saw in this last World Cup, this that group stage was just exciting. It's like the last minute. They needed that one point. They needed three points. You know, they got everything done right there. So seeing increase to to, to th that amount of squads, especially coming from the world, it's good exposure for, you know, uh, the AFC uh, and Confederation, the OFC, you know, Australia and all of that. Good exposure for them because we can't, you know, it's hard to see, you know, those teams play from from uh, the states so uh definitely good for mls definitely good for for usa because it's here because of the world cup that's coming in 2026 it's gonna be sandwiched in between the Copa america and the uh club world cup so it's gonna be exciting what what i don't 
what we don't know is, you know, where the venues are going to be. We don't know if it's going to be played in New York. Me and James were talking earlier how, you know, probably could be NFL stadiums, obviously, because the amount of European squad that are coming here. So expect to hear news from that uh, sooner or later. But it's so exciting. Three consecutive summers and, and springs, all international tournaments coming to. And, you know, it's so weird to say because, you know, UEFA are in, you know, the league playing Champions League and they're going to have to come over to North America, especially America and play, you know, the Club World Cup and the big teams in UEFA are coming here. So it's really exciting. I can't wait for it to start. Uh, it's something, you know, we, I think I wanted to see for a long time because all of the Club World Cups were, you know, in Europe and Asia, but it's so exciting and I can't wait to see, you know, a Real Madrid play, you know, a, uh, a Seattle Sounders. So it's going to be very exciting for sure. And, you know, I'm going to Ronaldo's all, um, on the star kid be playing too. So, hey man, this is and, 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 and Messi's in Miami, you know. And um, if Miami wins that cup, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um. And you, another Concacaf team as host will get there. So there's going to be another American team. I imagine it'll be just the MLS Cup champions or Supporters Field champions or something uh, along those lines to get that final qualification spot. My only concern, because this seems like a home run of an event that has been missing in the, in the global game for a while. The club world cup has, it's just features one champion from each of the uh, regions. And, and, you know, I felt like it wasn't always the best indicator of who the best teams in the world are. This team's more like that, but it also has representation from every corner of the globe. My only concern is that because it's in the summer and it, because it follows the European calendar, to what degree will these teams actually take it seriously? I mean, I hope they do because generally, uh, late June, early July to late July is when they um go back for preseason. So if you've just won the Champions League and you're ready to report for preseason, and your preseason is in competitive games in the U.S., yeah, maybe you don't take it seriously, but you may play your best players, which will fill stadiums, which will grow the game in this country, which is what this whole thing's all about. And t and that excites me. So do I think that? And also uh, before. What are these UEFA qualification requirements? Like, yeah, the, the winners of the past four Champions Leagues. I hope that I hope that that past four thing makes this a four year thing. I hope it's every four years because this shouldn't be an every summer thing because then it's going to water down the importance. And but after the 2024 Champions League winner, the other eight um, qualification spots for UEFA's 12 total are just best eligible team in UEFA four-year ranking. I don't know how they decide that ranking. It seems like it could be arbitrary. Um, whatever it may be, um, it's going to be an exciting time. We're going to have some big teams playing big games in this country. Um, it's never been done at the club level. I love it. And uh, they're hosting it in the right place for the first edition. Uh, I just wish that they would have included me in the decision because I've been doing this in my phone for years. I don't know if you can read that. I created something in my free time called the FIFA Champions League with 128 teams, and I mapped out how many bids each country would have to have it. If you can read that. Yeah, I put it in depth. So, like, get me on as a consultant. We can expand this even further. We make it a full year-round thing like the normal Champions League. It'll be a lot of travel. But I even have, like, look, for countries that don't get it, I have playoffs with requirements, the the – and different uh, regions in Europe and different regions around the world. So this seems like a home run that we're missing out on. We're, we're a quarter of the way there with 32 teams. Get me on board FIFA. I will get the 128-team FIFA Champions League going. And, um, yeah, yeah, I hope the New York Red Bulls can can win uh, 
the 2024 CONCACAF Champions Cup, which is of a, a, a new format now, of course, because they like to change things all the time. Based on the UEFA rankings that I'm looking right now, it could be Bayern, Liverpool, PSG, Man United, Juventus, Barca also go into the Club World Cup. I don't know how, but that's well, how like... did Juventus get up there? What did, what did Juventus, what has Juventus done in the last... I know, it's based on the last four years, right? Am I correct? I think yeah. it's ranking. Okay. So Juventus just made it. Juvent, yeah, Juventus are barely above. If I'm looking at the same thing as you, it, they're right above Atletico Madrid. No, I'm looking at yeah. I don't know why Barcelona's ninth year, but I think yeah, you're right. Atletico Madrid. I'm looking at I'm looking at a five year ranking, and I this seems that arbitrary at yeah. best. So whatever. Um, I hope I hope that this is as as good as it could be and i hope that everybody takes it seriously yeah and james i just want to say we're cut from the same cloth my notes app is filled with i remember maybe like 2019 2018 i had like a whole plan for the 2026 world cup in which stadiums i would pick and and their capacities and and how we would cluster them together to minimize travel and uh yeah so we're cut from the same cloth but i love I that think, stuff man love the, it the, the biggest thing with the club world cup I think the fact that it's taking in place from June to July, I could mean a couple different things. Do European teams just treat it as sort of a glorified preseason or is it, is it something that, you know, really means something at the tail end of, of, of these, of the the regular club season? I think it could go either way, but you know, I don't know if it really matters that much because even like you said, James, even if it's, um, you know, a bunch of players who, who are elite, but maybe aren't trying their hardest because they're just trying to regain their fitness. I I think the tickets still get sold. And I think the, the hype is still there. Um, is it going to have the same intensity as the, the champions league semifinal? Probably not. Uh, does it need to probably not? I think for what FIFA is trying to do, I think, you know, the, the competition will definitely serve its purpose. Um, with about eight minutes to go here, James, I think you mentioned that you have a, Guess the player for me, which um, I do, am very. Do we want to do it? I want to do it. Let's do it. All right. I mean, this is this is a a sneaky hard one, actually. Okay. Well, I do think I do think you're gonna kill it though. And it's and it's the big it's a big one. Landon Donovan. Landon Donovan. Ah, oh, geez. Okay. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna get them all. I honestly do. Okay. Um well LA Galaxy. Yep. Um Everton. Yep. Um was he with San Jose to start his career? That yeah, he was. Like, yes, there's a caveat there, but yes, he San Jose Earthquakes to start his career. Okay. Um how many teams are there? See there's so many like loans back to the same clubs. So it's the number of lines is way more than the number of clubs. And there's also another weird thing. I'm going to give you, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like seven and three quarters clubs. If that makes sense. I'm giving you a hint with that one. And I don't think you're going to get you. If you don't get that one, I won't count it. There's seven. There's seven. I genuinely think my ball knowledge is taking a hit right now. Okay, so no, Galaxy, Everton, San Jose. And the San Jose Earthquakes. You've got three of the seven. Um, if you got seven, you get them all. Are are the um are the other ones your are the other ones uh 
MLS teams? There are two European teams. And then I think one... I go for it, Gino. Gino, jump in. I think he played in Mexico. I want to say Leon. That is correct. Right. After after he came out of retirement for I his think... second LA Galaxy stint, went back into retirement, then came out of retirement, and played six games for Club Leon. Did he play in USL that... after he came out of retirement? Close. Less less than even USL. lower? Even lower. Even lower. Uh, was it Gino? <laughs> Wait, I'm right. Yes. I don't know the team. I don't know the team. I just know he played indoor soccer. It's think of this a city synonymous with Landon Donovan now, Nick. And if you Los can get Angeles. if you San Diego. Think there you go. He played for the San Diego Soccers in the indoor league, scored five goals in eight games in 2019. What a baller. That one I wasn't gonna count. That was the eighth one. Right. That was the three quarters. Now you've got two more teams to get. They're both in Germany. Technically, he started his career in one of these teams and um, played for both their first team, but mostly for their reserve team where he actually really excelled. All right, wild guess. Leverkusen. That is correct. He started his career in 99 at Leverkusen 2, but spent most of his time with the club on loan at the San Jose Earthquakes. Technically on loan, but he was on the Earthquakes. And then... If you get... He was on... During his time with the Galaxy, played six games for another German team. Um, on I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Bayern Munich. Bayern. He played for Bayern Munich. Played for Bayern. Played six You're matches right. for Bayern Munich. What year? In two thousand nine. No. Yeah. <laughs> I. That is so hard because you think of Landon Donovan and you think of the twenty ten World Cup. And the LA Galaxy, and then maybe as an afterthought, the earthquakes and his time in Mexico. So to have gotten Everton as quickly as you did was good. And to have gotten Leverkusen was wild. Good for you, man. I think because I'm just because of our age, I literally only associate Landon Donovan with wearing the United States shirt. Exactly. Like guys like Polisic or McKenney, like I know their club crew as well, but like I wasn't watching think- Landon Donovan at Everton or or at that says a lot about the evolution of the game in this country too, because it was the national team and nothing else. And like no one watched major league soccer, but everybody knew that Landon Donovan was on the galaxy and scored loads of goals. Um, and you know, what's what makes me so happy is that he won't win it this year, but in 2024, Lionel Messi could win an MVP award. That's named after Landon Donovan. So I hope that happens. <laughs> I, he still should have been on that 2014 World Cup squad. Oh, Jurgen, I'll never let I'll never let you forgive that's taking forever Brad, changed my and opinion. I love Brad Davis. Brad Davis, Houston Dynamo legend, MLS legend. He had no business being on that team ahead of Landon Donovan. He was trying to make a statement or something, trying to be trying to be edgy. But I think we have to step on their toes. I'm Jurgen Klinsmann. No, no, you have to bring Landon Donovan to the World Cup. I think that'll just about do it. Yeah. For this week's episode of FUVFC, even if the European calendars come to an end, there's always good old CONCACAF, good old North American footy, and we need to get into MLS this episode. And we've got the yeah. Women's World Cup coming up too, so that yeah, is we're gonna we definitely are gonna have to cover. Yeah. And we need to cover because the United States needs are trying to defend their crowd for the third time, third World Cup in a row. But I think from this of this edition more so than any others the competition just continues to get better and better in the european game i think there's at least four countries that could realistically knock the united states off their perch and the us have injuries too 
it's definitely going to be a very exciting Women's World Cup. That starts in July. But for Nick Guzman, James Burley, Gino Alva, we're saying so long for another edition of FEVFC, WFUV's most consistent soccer podcast. <laughs>